morning, everybody. I'm Ros Field, in case you haven't met me before. And I'm going to read the Bible reading this morning from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> and it's found on page 1630 in your Bibles if you want to look it up. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. <clears throat> All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be with you this morning, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to share God's word with you. But before I do that, let's pray together. Father, we just want to thank you that we can be here this morning as your people. We thank you for the privilege and for the blessing that it is. And Father, we want to praise you that you are the king of glory. You are infinitely glorious and infinitely great and majestic. We thank you that we can praise you here this morning. And we thank you that you love us, that you loved us so much in Christ that you've brought us back to yourself through him. Thank you for the eternal salvation that we have in him, the hope that we have. And Father, we thank you that we can hear from your word this morning. And we pray that you would speak powerfully into our hearts, that you would change us through what we hear. For your glory we pray, amen. It's the 25th of July, 1983. Ray Boundy, Dennis Murphy and Linda Horton are out on a trawler fishing 90 kilometres off the coast of Townsville. Dennis is helping the skipper Ray secure a broken boom when the 14 metre boat is struck by a huge wave and capsizes. As the boat is sinking, the three of them managed to grab a surfboard, a life jacket, and some pieces of foam padding. They tie them together with fishing line and begin to drift with the current. They are adrift at sea for over 24 hours, and then suddenly a tiger shark over four metres long appears and begins to follow them. A few minutes later, a surging wave knocks the three from their floats and the shark grabs Dennis by the leg. He's pulled under the water twice 
trying in vain to punch and kick the shark before he loses the bottom half of his leg. He bravely tells Ray and Linda to paddle quickly in the other direction and lets the shark take the rest of him. The surviving pair continue to drift until 4am when suddenly the shark cruises alongside. It grabs Linda by the arms and torso and disappears with her in its mouth. After daybreak, Ray realises that he has been stalked again. The shark is circling. It's some distance off, but coming closer with each pass. With the last of his strength and one piece of foam, Ray paddles frantically to the breakers and surfs in over the reef face. The search aircraft rescues him after he's been in the water for over 36 hours. Ray, Dennis and Linda were all lost at sea. Dennis and Linda tragically lost their lives as well. Ray was rescued, but only because the aircraft came to rescue him. If the aircraft hadn't come to rescue him, he still would have been safe from sharks because he found shelter on a shallow reef, but he would have eventually died from something else. Ray was lost, but the aircraft came to rescue him. In the passage we're looking at this morning in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, Jesus comes to rescue a man who is lost. Jesus comes to seek and to save him. Jesus comes to Jericho and is passing through there on his way to Jerusalem. Now Luke is the only gospel writer who tells us that Jesus does something in Jericho. The other Gospels tell us that Jesus passes through there on his way to Jerusalem, but that's all they tell us. Luke tells us that on Jesus' way through Jericho, he comes to seek and to save a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is lost. He is a sinner in need of a saviour. Even the crowd call him a sinner in verse 7. They're calling him a sinner because he's a tax collector. And tax collectors don't have a very good reputation because they're known for ripping people off. And worse than that, he's a chief tax collector. Not only is he a chief tax collector, which in the eyes of the people means he's a pretty bad dude, he's also rich. In the previous chapter, in Luke chapter 18, verses 24 and 25... Jesus says how hard it is for a person who's rich to be saved. Jesus' disciples realise what he's saying and then ask, who then can be saved? So Zacchaeus is one of the most unlikely people to be saved. Zacchaeus is lost. But Jesus says in verse 10 that he came to seek and to save the lost. We were like Zacchaeus, weren't we? We were lost. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And in verse 12, he says that we were without hope and without God in the world. 
Our sin separated us from God and it was going to keep us separated from him forever. We were lost. But Jesus came to seek and to save us. Zacchaeus is lost, but Jesus comes to seek him. Jesus is not coming to Jericho just so he can get to Jerusalem. He's coming to seek Zacchaeus. Jesus seeks Zacchaeus by coming to the tree he's in and asking him to come down. That sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? Jesus finds Zacchaeus up in a tree. Well, Luke tells us how he gets there. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is, but he can't get there, but he can't see him because there's a crowd of people and he's a bit of a shorty. So he climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus. Have a look at verses 3 and 4. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And to Zacchaeus' surprise, Jesus comes over to the tree he's in and asks him to come down because Jesus wants to stay at his house. Have a look at verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus seeks Zacchaeus. Notice that it's not the other way around. Zacchaeus doesn't seek Jesus. He is simply wanting to see who Jesus is, most likely because of the crowd of, the pe- crowd of people that were gathered. Jesus is the one who seeks Zacchaeus, and Jesus is the one who seeks us. Just like Zacchaeus, we weren't seeking Jesus. We were lost and without hope. In Romans chapter 3, verse 11, the Apostle Paul says, there is, none, there is no one who seeks God. And in John chapter 6, verse 44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. But Jesus sought us. He didn't have to, but he wanted to. And why did he seek us? Love. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says that in love God predestined us to be adopted into his family. Jesus sought us because he loves us. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's marvel at God's amazing love for us. Let's thank him for it every day. Not only does Jesus seek Zacchaeus, he also saves him. Jesus says in verse 9, that salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. Jesus saves him. But how does this take place? On what basis does Jesus save Zacchaeus? Well, after Jesus tells him to come down from the tree, he doesn't just come down, he comes down quickly. And he doesn't just come down quickly, 
he also receives Jesus with joy. Have a look at verse 6. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Now the text doesn't tell us why Zacchaeus did this, other than because Jesus asked him to. We don't know whether he overheard people in the crowd speculating as to whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. But something must have happened, because after Zacchaeus comes down, he calls Jesus his Lord. And because he calls Jesus his Lord, he's saying that he's Jesus' slave. He surrenders his life to Jesus. He repents. His actions show that he's repented. He tells Jesus that he's giving half of all his stuff to the poor. And he tells Jesus that he's going to pay back the people he's ripped off four times more than what he owes them. Have a look at verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything... I will pay back four times the amount. Zacchaeus confesses Jesus as Lord. He repents. He does things that show he's repented. And Jesus says that today he's been saved. Jesus saves Zacchaeus. Have a look there at verse 9. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Jesus achieves what he came to Jericho to do. He came to seek and to save a man who was lost. But more specifically, Jesus came to seek and to save those who recognise they're lost. Jesus didn't come to seek and to save those who are self-righteous, like some of the people in this passage. Some of the people grumble when they see Jesus inviting himself to stay at the house of a sinner. They think that they're better than Zacchaeus and that Jesus should be coming to stay at their house. They're quite happy to call Zacchaeus a sinner, but they don't believe they're sinners. They don't believe they're lost. Jesus didn't come to seek and to save them. Jesus says earlier in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 5, verse 32, that he didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came to seek and to save those who believe they're lost. Zacchaeus believed he was lost. He didn't object to the people calling him a sinner. He knew he was. And he knew that Jesus could save him. He confessed Jesus as Lord and turned from his sin. He put his trust in Jesus to save him. Brothers and sisters, do we believe that we're lost without Jesus? Do we believe that without his atoning death and victorious resurrection, there is no hope for us? Do we believe that there is nothing that we can do to be saved other than to trust Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. We are lost without Jesus. He is our only hope. We need to trust him as our Lord and Saviour. Jesus came to seek 
and to save the lost. Have a look at verse 10, our key verse for today. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. All of us were lost. All of us were without hope. All of us were dead in our sins. But Jesus came to seek and to save us. What a wonderful saviour we have. I'm pretty sure Ray Boundy will be thankful for the rest of his life for the people who came to rescue him from dying alone at sea. He knows that he's only alive because of them. How much more thankful should we be for the one who came to seek and to save us from being lost forever? Brothers and sisters, let's thank Jesus every day for coming to seek and to save us. But the application doesn't end there. We were lost and Jesus came to seek and to save us, but he also does something else. He commissions us to take his message of salvation to others who are lost. Listen to the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God reconciled us to himself through Christ. He saved us. And then he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the message of salvation, the gospel. If we understand how lost we were, we will feel pity for those who are still lost. And if we understand how amazing God's salvation is, we will desire to take the message of salvation to others. A few verses earlier in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about trying to persuade others and that Christ's love compels him. Christ's love for Paul and Christ's love for the lost are what compelled Paul to take the message of salvation to others. This needs to be the same for us. We need to understand how much Jesus loves us and how much Jesus loves the lost. And we need to love the lost by taking the message of salvation to them. Towards the end of Paul's life and ministry, he writes these words to his son in the faith, Timothy. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul endured everything so that those God chose to be saved would be saved. 
Paul didn't know who the elect were, so he preached the gospel to all. And it's the same for us. We don't know who God has chosen to be saved, so we need to take the message of salvation to everyone. God's word is not chained. It will not return void. Whoever has ears to hear will receive it with joy. It's pretty amazing that God has chosen us to play such a key role in his plan of redemption. He uses weak, sinful, fallen people to take his message of salvation to other weak, sinful, fallen people. If you're anything like me, then you find the task overwhelming. In 2 Corinthians 2.16, the Apostle Paul writes, who is competent for these things? And then he answers his own question with the following. Our competency comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Brothers and sisters, we need to pray that God would give us a heart for the lost. We need to pray that God would give us a hunger to see people saved. We need to pray that God would use us to take his message of salvation to the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray together. Father, we confess to you that we were lost. We had no hope. Our sin and our rebellion separated us from you and it was going to keep us from you forever. And we deserve that. We deserve to be separated from you forever. We deserve your punishment, your wrath and your judgment. But you didn't leave us in that state. In love, you sent your son to rescue us, to seek and to save us, just like he did Zacchaeus. We didn't deserve it, just like Zacchaeus didn't deserve it. But Father, thank you so much that in love you predestined us to be adopted into your family. What an overwhelming truth. Thank you so much for it. Help us to thank you every day, Father, that you sent Jesus to seek and to save us who once were lost. But help us not to stop there. Father, please give us a heart for the lost, to feel pity for them, to be moved, to take your message of salvation to them, that we would not stay silent, that we would not just believe the gospel and then keep it to ourselves, that we would take this glorious message of salvation to others. Father, we pray that you would use this church, us here, your people, to bring many people into your kingdom, that you would grow your kingdom here on the south side of Brisbane through this church. And we pray all these things for your glory. Amen. If you have any prayer points, comments or questions, don't forget to fill in the Connect card. Um, stewards will come around in a few minutes and they'll also take up the offering as well.